Before we get into today's podcast, just wanted to remind everyone, if you haven't already and you're a listener of the podcast, make sure you go over to the iTunes podcast app, drop a rating, leave a comment, you know, anything, uh, because guys, your 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 ratings, your comments is really what's going to help grow this podcast, what's going to make it better, and what's going to make it better for everybody to listen to. So I would appreciate it. It would mean the world to me. Uh, and we're just going to continue making this podcast better. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Av Geek Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Colin, the chief Av Geek, aviation maniac, or whatever you want to call me. Woo! Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Av Geek Chronicles podcast. So happy to have you back for another week. Man, I got some good energy this week. I don't know if it's just the weather here in Texas or or what, because I mean, the, the, the weather is getting a lot more spring-like, uh, and I'm so happy for the spring weather coming back. Hopefully all this nasty, nasty weather uh, is, is, is behind us, and us avi- aviators can enjoy the good spring weather going into summer. Uh, but if you guys didn't check out last week's episode, I highly, highly recommend it. Last week, I had Ryan Hunt join me for an Assy Aggie show episode and it was a lot of fun and and Ryan has a lot of similarities to a few of my other guests not only is he dating uh, Kayla McLeod and they're doing some awesome awesome things out there uh, on the in, in Georgia uh, and other some states that are uh, surrounding the area but man they are he is just doing some really really cool things uh, with some classic aircraft some uh, warbirds uh, and now He's on a Falcon, uh, which is even cooler uh, now that he's uh, he's done with type school uh, and now he's flying the real thing. So if you don't know Ryan, I highly recommend you go give last week's episode uh, a listen. I mean, Ryan epitomizes doing the right thing is always the right thing. I mean, this this Ryan is just. He, he has so many incredible things, uh, not only that he's doing, but so many incredible things about uh, him. Uh, and I think you really need to go give him a follow. I think you really need to follow his story because he's doing some really, really cool, uh, cool things in the aviation world. But you'll always find Ryan at the airport. You'll probably see him with Kayla out there flying, uh, advocating for youth in aviation, flying warbirds. Uh, flying RVs. I mean, anything. I mean, Ryan is always out flying, but he is another, another great addition to the podcast as he shares is really his ultimate purpose is the same purpose that this podcast was built on. And Ryan, he really shared his passion, his purpose, and, you know, giving the audience some really good value in last week's episode. So Aggie Nation, I would really appreciate it if after today's episode, you give last week's episode a listen, if you haven't all ready. So what do we got going today? I am so excited to bring back yet another episode of the Ask the Ab Geek show. So happy we've done a few of these back to back. It's just so it's just so happened to work in the schedule uh, like that. But today I'm very excited for today's episode because this is an episode my guests and I have been trying to schedule for a couple weeks now. But we're finally making it happen. And I'm very, very excited to have them on the show today. And yes, I said them because I have some very special guests with me today. And I'd like to introduce all of Abby Nation to the Davis family. And if you're out there on Instagram or YouTube, 
You'll know them also formally as the There By Air crew. And we're going to dive, we're going to dive deeper into kind of what that means and what that is later on in the podcast. But guys, I absolutely love, I'm just loving this opportunity to have the Davis family with me today. And I know all the listeners out there are really, really going to fall in love with this family story because as soon as I found them out there on social media, I knew I had to connect with them and I just fell in love uh, with what these guys were doing. Not only are they sharing their passion of aviation with their own little family, but they are documenting their travel journeys and bringing us along for the ride, even if it means it's going to be a little bit windy. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Abgeek Nation to the Davis family. So how are you both doing tonight? Yeah, we're great. Uh, thanks for having <laughs> us. Uh, my name's Eric. Uh, my wife, Karen's here. So you got half the Davis family. The, uh, <laughs> it's, the kids are in bed. Uh, otherwise... <laughs> That's a whole podcast on its own, uh, really. (laughs) Maybe we'll have them on for a second podcast. (laughs) Um, But all right, so you two, I'd love for you guys to, and you can do this uh, separately or however you guys want it, but kind of just introduce both of yourselves uh, to the listeners. You know, where are you guys from? Uh, Where do you guys live now? Uh, Just kind of the basic introduction questions. Uh, Well, we're transplants to North Carolina. Uh, we moved here about 10 years ago um, in February, but uh, I was born and raised in New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, well, sort of two places. I was born there, lived there till I was about 10, and then my family moved to Utah, and then Karen's here. She um, she grew up, She was born and raised in Utah, and that's kind of where we, we met. So um, up until about 10 years ago, that's that's where we both lived. So how do you like the Carolinas now? Oh, this is home. Yeah, I think we we kind of feel like we have two homes, but this is our this is our home now. Whenever we come back here, it's just that feeling of home. And for whatever reason, we've just settled in here like we never have before anywhere else. So you guys kind of consider Utah like your second your second home then? It's like the it's a like surreal our, home. They're, surreal. they're both our <laughs> yeah. It's it being there. You know, we were just there. Uh, just flew out there. And got back last week, and you know, it, it, it's just kind of a—it's one of those places that's familiar, but you're not it's, sure. It's, yeah, it's familiar, just, but not home anymore. Right, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. Exactly. No, I, I totally know what you guys what you mean. I don't know if you have heard about the news and everything. I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska. Nebraska seems to be underwater right now with all the flooding. Um, but no, I know exactly what you guys mean. It's like I grew up, I lived there for about 23 years of my life, and now I've been in Texas for. Uh, going on six years, maybe five years. Um, but that place always, I know it's always home for me, even though I had a, this is kind of funny. I had this talk with my wife this weekend and I said, I will always be a Nebraska and I'll never be a Texan. And she goes, Colin, you've lived here for four, over four years. You're a Texan now. I said, no, I'm never going to be a Texan. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a hard time. Like when I think about my friends, I have a hard time sometimes remembering who's from here and all these people I wouldn't know uh-huh. if I hadn't moved here and they're like, you know, they're like lifelong friends to me. So, it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's weird, but yeah, we're definitely, we don't have the accent, but, uh, <laughs> it, our kids were born here and they don't know anywhere else. So it's, you know, we got roots now. Yeah, no, I swear. That's one thing I, I think I don't, I don't ever want to pick up as a Texas accent. I think my <laughs> wife has picked up a little bit of Southern twang. 
but I don't want we to pick say it up. y'all. There's y'all? no. It's just a. It's a useful word. It, yeah. it's just, it's, it is useful. It's hard to get by without it. Anymore. I mean, it's two words in one. How could you go wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So so let's go kind of with you two. We'll, we'll talk about kind of the family and their by air here uh, in a bit. But just to kind of give the audience kind of a context um, and a deeper dive into kind of who you two are. Let's kind of go back. I, I love when I have my guests on, I love going back to kind of their roots like we were talking about. So kind of, you know, I don't care who starts, um, whichever one wants to go first. It, it's it's fine by me. But kind of going back to your guys' childhood, what was your guys' life like growing up? You know, what kind of hobbies were you into? What were the things that, you know, you guys' family did? Were you guys big travelers? Kind of what was that life growing up like? Um. Well, life in New Hampshire for me, uh, you know, is it's kind of like the Huck Finn life for yeah. me. And and I think that's probably why there was a longing to move back to the East Coast. Um, it, it, it's just a different landscape out here. You know, we grew up sort of in a rural part, Bedford, New Hampshire. And, you know, my days were pretty much spent in the woods. That was the, that was kind of my stomping grounds mm-hmm. back then. And then. You know, of course, Utah is a very, very different landscape. Everybody thinks of it as the Wild West with wide open spaces. But the reality is uh, most of the people that live in those desert areas are are in very compact cities Mm -hmm. uh, with small space. So, you know, that was kind of a shock uh, for me moving out there. And, you know, that that was a different world to me, whereas Karen grew up there. So maybe she can speak to 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 what it was like to grow up there as you know from from early childhood but um you know that that catching salamanders in the creek and running through building tree forts all over the place that's kind of how i grew up uh, those early years in new hampshire um as far as hobbies and stuff (laughs) anything about that you know anything you do outside was was going to be right up my alley so is that kind of how you're the the whole uh the adventureness came from in everything spending the time outdoor is that really kind of where the roots were grown oh i don't know probably uh you know i didn't sit still a whole lot i, I had a nintendo and i loved playing zelda but uh you know as a little kid when that, when that first came out you know that came out when i was probably six or something like that yeah uh, so you know I, I did that too but most mostly i like just being out Mm-hmm. So, Karen, how was how was life growing up uh, in Utah? I guess I have a I have a small Utah story. I, Utah is actually the state where I learned to ski. I'm a huge skier. I love skiing. Um, but Park City is where I first shredded on my first skis. So I love Utah. But how, how was how was life growing up uh, in the in the great state of Utah? Well, Utah, um, you got to ski if you're there, right? Of so course. since you brought that up, I did grow up skiing. My grandpa took me skiing every winter. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so that was something I always loved. But uh, other than that, I would say um, I played uh, I played sports. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I was particularly good at them. I was okay at them. I played softball when I was younger. And when I got older, I got into volleyball. And that's my favorite sport. Loved playing volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I I came from a family of uh, six kids. I'm second youngest, so I have four brothers and a sister. And so it was kind of crazy sometimes. Um, loud a lot. <laughs> 
but we played together. We spent a lot of time together just as a family doing stuff, playing in the, in the yard. We would uh, play basketball together or just build snow forts or who knows what. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big part of my childhood, I guess, was just being together as a family. And we had friends, too, obviously, going over to friend's house. And mm-hmm. I don't know, just your regular childhood it was a good childhood yeah so so you, i mean you guys kind of i guess you share a lot of the qualities from a moving around standpoint that i had to go through too so what is something you guys kind of both miss maybe about what you would consider kind of home or kind of where you grew up in your younger years oh the I mountains, the mountains? <laughs> yeah i love this like the serenity of just going up in the mountains when you just want a break and where we grew up you could drive 10 15 minutes and park your car and go on a hike and mm-hmm. especially yeah, so, back then it felt like you'd yeah, be that's out the there flip, all by yourself that's the flip side of utah is even though you're living on maybe a tenth or a quarter acre or something and all the houses are kind of jammed into these valleys and it's not far before you're in the middle of nowhere so you, you can drive 20 or 30 minutes and really be in some amazing scenery where there's no one around and you know lots of hiking stuff like that so i mean it's a trade-off the east coast it's kind of hard to find that kind of solitude do you miss the snow no except for Uh, if you want to ski it's one of those things you know it's fun to visit but if you got to live your life in it and your daily routine and deal with all that it's shovel your car out And, and as far as new hampshire goes you know everything i miss about new hampshire i have here you know north carolina except maybe the fall you know the falls the fall is my favorite uh, season, and it's usually pretty abbreviated here in North Carolina. So, whereas <laughs> New Hampshire, that's like that's the season you live for up there, and you know it seems to last from you know late August all the way through, or maybe even early September all the way through Thanksgiving or so. Um, whereas here, sometimes it'll go from ninety degrees down to you know twenty five, and all the trees just turn brown, and you know you don't really get that nice fresh air it goes from too hot to too cold but too hot to too cold then back to cold then to hot yeah. and then it decides like it does <laughs> down here in texas it, it wants to ice one day and i had to come out yeah i literally had to dig through my garage to find an ice scraper i'm like <laughs> thank god i'm from the midwest and i actually had one other people around here using credit cards and other silly things <laughs> but no i totally i totally know what you guys uh what you guys mean there but I, I want to get now to kind of into your guys' family story uh, and kind of, you know, how everything uh, is coming together in North Carolina. But I, I'm curious. So you guys said you uh, you met in Utah, correct? Yes. Okay. So, so Karen, did you come originally? Did you have any background in aviation or was it kind of just being with was it being with Eric kind of your first introduction into it? Um. He was not my first introduction. Uh, when I was maybe 14, 15 years old, mm-hmm. my older brother um, picked up aviation. Okay. And he was taking pilot lessons for a while. And I remember one thing that we used to do just to spend time together was he had a big life-size poster on his wall, which there was a cockpit of a Cessna 150. And so he would stand there and pretend like he was holding the pilot yoke and I would stand there in the co-pilot spot and we would pretend to fly the Cessna together and he would instruct me on how to use the radio and we would just go on these pretend flights <laughs> and that was my first experience to 
private aviation and small airplanes and regular people being pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up not seeing it through. He kind of did it for a summer or so and then gave it up. And then it didn't enter my life again until Eric. So what's your favorite, I mean, what's your favorite thing about not just flying or I guess being around airplanes, but just your favorite thing about aviation in general? Oh, I don't know. Um, that's a hard one. I mean, when I think of aviation, it's different than the average person because I'm thinking of the private aviation and the small airplane. Um, and to me, that's just being together as a family and spending time together as a family and the, the options and the, the, that provides and the places we can go. And that's kind of what aviation means to me. It, that, and that is crazy that you say it because I, I have to I try explaining this to my wife all the time I'm like come fly with me let's let's go somewhere and it was funny because we were talking I don't know how I think we saw a commercial for Olive Garden one night and she goes you know what I want to go to Olive Garden hon and I said why do you want to go to Olive Garden we can go down the street I literally went to Google Maps and found one about 80 nautical miles away I was like, hey, let's hop in the plane. We can go to Olive Garden. You can be happy. <laughs> I can be happy. And it'll be a really, really fun journey together. And that's literally how I sold it. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. Fine. Because it's literally like pulling teeth trying to get her to fly, <laughs> fly <laughs> with me. <laughs> um, but Gary, what has been something that aviation has taught you? Maybe an important lesson, um, something that, you know, maybe that other people that aren't around the aviation world that they wouldn't know? I mean, what was that lesson for you? Um, I, that's a hard one. (laughs) Um, I think for me, and again, it's maybe not directly tied to aviation, but, and, and it goes along with what you were saying as well. I think that aviation has taught me how to, um, I guess support Eric because it is something that he loves so much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for a lot of pilots because it's not easy to become a pilot. And so those that are pilots, it's in their blood for the most part. It's something they, it just is so important to them. They're passionate about it. And being able to share that passion with Eric um, is, it's just is something that brings us closer together. And aviation has kind of done that for us and, and taught us that, not just for us as a couple, but for us as a family. And the kids seem to just absolutely love it as well. So, I mean, having them along for the ride <laughs> just has to be uh, even better. Um, but I think that's a good segue. So, Eric, this is obviously something that you're super passionate about and that I know you've probably do, been doing for a while. So when did you start flying and kind of where in the ratings process are you now? Oh, well, where, when did I start flying? Um, I was a, I was a, oh, geez, let's see. Uh, like as far as lessons and stuff, like my own private lessons. Yeah. So like, where did your aviation begin? Like when was the first time that you kind of stepped foot into an airplane? Oh, okay. So my dad, when I was, uh, this would be like 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he, he, he had a lifelong dream of becoming a pilot. Um, you know, it's not something that, uh, he was able to pursue professionally or anything like that. So he bought all the King school videos 
and we would watch those together. And he was taking lessons down at the Provo airport. Um, you know, back then it, it, it was just, you know, it was a pretty small airport. It wasn't a control tower or anything like there is now. Um, so I would follow him down and I would just sit on the wheel of some airplane and just watch him take lessons. Um, so that was kind of like, you know, I was interested in aviation before that. Of course, you know, picture, if you will, uh, a little kid sitting on the outfield playing baseball and, you know, the ball gets hit and, and he's looking up at the sky at an airplane or something and gets hit in the head, you know, with the ball. That was kind of me uh, from the very beginning. Now, the only part about that story that's not true is that I never got hit in the head with a ball. But <laughs> I'm sure that more than a few uh, – innings ended with me kind of staring up at the sky because it was just always that way and so uh you know when my dad started taking those lessons I would I would go down there and just sit out there in the hot sun or whatever the conditions were it didn't matter uh however early I had to get up or or anything in it you know just for the opportunity to watch him take off which I could barely see he was in a diamond katana you know probably a mile and a half away and I could barely see him and then sometimes he wouldn't come back for hours uh, but, you know, just being there at the airport um, was was enough for me. It, it was the most exciting thing for me to do. Um, so then he uh, completed his license in, I think it was October of 97, and took me, uh, like two or three days after he got his license, took me for a flight for one hour, and that is the one and only time he ever flew as pilot in command. He never flew after that. That was all he could afford to do. And, uh, you know, so that that's in his logbook, and, and it's the last entry, really. Uh, after that, there's a couple where he went up with, you know, and an instructor signed him off. But it was years later, and it never never went anywhere because he, you know, just didn't have money to, to keep it going. But mm-hmm. he wanted his license, and that was sort of a bucket list thing for him. So, you know, fast forward to now. uh you know, the seed was planted then, and now, uh, as far as current ratings, you know, I'm just a private pilot with, with an instrument rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had, I, I think I got my private in 2011, 2010. I don't 2011. I think it was 2011. Yeah. And I got my instrument rating in 2017. I've had it about a year and a half now, so. How, 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 how was the instrument process? I'm actually going through that right now, and I'm only at the beginning. But do you have any tips or tricks of the uh, the instrument rating? Uh, well, um, you know, I love watching flight trackers, and you can you can tell the instrument trainers from the private trainers. It seems like in <laughs> private training they ter- 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 uh, the in private training they uh, teach you how to turn around in circles, and then in instrument training they teach you how to fly straight. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it just. As far as tips for, for the instrument, if I could go back, and, and I did learn this partway through, but from the very beginning, get a simulator. Get something that you can do at home and get – because what you do in instrument training on a simulator, it about 80% of it carries over into the cockpit. So you've really got – you know rather than stepping into that cockpit at 0%, you can step in with 80% kind of under your belt. Uh, with a with a good simulator, so Cause I, I kind of because it gives you I, a lot of experience in like other like 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 failures and different scenarios where you, well it it trains you to do your scan and yeah, really that's yeah. that's the that's the thing like it once you can and and to think ahead of the plane um, 
you know, the, even just in the very beginning, the disorientation of entering the clouds and making that transition from flying with your head out of the cockpit to flying in, you sometimes don't get that. Um, in, in, in you know, when you're using the foggles, because there's that transition where you hand over the controls, you put the foggles on, and now you're under the hood. Whereas the first time I actually went and flew IFR, uh, you know, with an instructor next to me, the actual IMC. I found it difficult and disorienting as we were entering the clouds, even though I had done really well under the hood. It, it was very hard for me to make that transition because you don't just instantly go into the clouds. Sometimes there's, you know, they're going by you and you're not sure when to go on to instruments and, and you know, you're kind of coming in and out of the clouds. And so those types of things, you can get that on a simulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I started using the simulator, my instrument training went so much better. <laughs> Now, did you did you use that through through like a like a school, or did you just kind of use a simulator on top of training? No, it was just my home simulator. It didn't count for anything in the logbook, but it counted for things in real life. I mean, the, the skills were being developed there. So, uh, you know, if you if you can get on a simulator at a, and get credit for it in your logbook, more power to you. But you know, you're gonna gain a lot, even if it's not legal experience that you can log you're going to just be that much further ahead when you get there and it doesn't cost you anything you can kind of do it at your own pace and and uh and spend as much time on it as you want and really focus on the things i noticed that the things that i messed up in the plane were i also messed up in the simulator and vice versa the things i corrected in the simulator then when i went to the plane it was there so, so, Karen, you know, through all of this, you know, through flying with Eric and everything, I'm sure that you've probably learned a thing or two as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think with aviation, probably planning. I'm not great at planning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, tr- oh, trust me. It's, it's OK. I'm terrible at planning. <laughs> the worst. Learn how to find hotels when we get stuck for weather. I can <laughs> tell you. <laughs> But yeah, just planning, um, and we we still don't plan as much as some. You know, we don't usually find a hotel till we land on the ground. Some of that's on purpose. <laughs> yeah, because we we like to keep our options open. But but um, I guess that's another thing I could say. Aviation has taught me is flexibility, mm-hmm. which seems to be the opposite of planning. But somehow they go together. You plan, and then you got to be flexible to change your plans. <laughs> Well, I remember one flight I diverted the my destination airport about four times, and air traffic control finally asked me why at the end of it. And I said, well, it looks like we're going to be stuck, and I don't want to be stuck in Bowling Green, Kentucky, so I'm going to Nashville. <laughs> I said, I'd rather be in Nashville than Bowling Green. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't end up getting stuck, but even still, it was. <laughs> I'd rather be in – if I'm going to get stuck, I'd rather be in Nashville. But, you know, we don't make – a lot of you know when when there's any question if, as to the weather or how we're going to end up somewhere, we we try not to put a lot in stone that would maybe add just one more layer of pressure to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, get there itis is kind of a, a thing. You know, you got to do enough planning that you're not left out in the cold. But um, you know, you when the, when you're when you talk about IFR flying, you know, leave your options open. If you're up there and you feel like, oh, I got to get into this airport because we've got a non-refundable hotel we've already paid for, you might not be in the, you know, it's just going to influence your decision making all that much more. So I think um, another thing that aviation has taught me is patience, because 
sometimes we'll be planning a trip and um, our lifestyle is such that we have flexibility on the days we leave. And Eric, I'm glad that he's a cautious pilot, but sometimes, especially in the beginning, it was incredibly frustrating because I would put my affairs in order to leave. And, um, and then we wouldn't be able to go because of the weather or for something would happen to the plane or <laughs> something. Well, and she's and, looking out the window <laughs> saying, it's a beautiful day. And then I'm like, well, it's not where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, you know, do you want to go over those mountains when the, you know, when it's 70 knots wind, you know, crossing the peak. Some people don't understand all the reasons why, you know, you're canceling a flight or, yeah. or so, something. So it's taught me to be patient and flexible and to plan, I guess, as far as planning to plan for different scenarios and contingencies and just kind of be ready for whatever happens and to just go with it and being upset about things or being a diva doesn't solve anything. It only, it's, it's best to just go with it. And <laughs> I literally, I literally could not agree. Like, I'm going to say I agree 150% on this one. I actually posted today on Instagram on Mondays. I, I don't know a word that, you know, I'm thinking about throughout the week or something. I'll, I'll post out there on Instagram, but it was a photo that I took a couple weeks ago of me in the cockpit. And I put the word patience there and it is literally a lineup of Cessnas that I'm in front or I'm behind <laughs> trying to depart because at my home airport, we have a massive training school for, um, uh, a big contingency of avi uh, Asian aviation students. Um, and oh my Lord, if it's a nice day in Texas, I think somebody out there on a Facebook group posted uh, a, um, an image basically took a screenshot of their four flight uh, with all the traffic that was going on in North Texas. I tell you, I, I don't know why, but when it's a nice day here in North Texas, it's almost, it's like a highway up there. I mean, everybody is out there, but man, it takes forever to get, um, to get brought into the airport. It takes forever to get out. So man, patience is like, guys, you have to have it in aviation or it could get you in trouble. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but so you have the Cirrus right now. How many other types of airplanes have you, have you owned, uh, basically since you started? Well, the first plane I bought was kind of a dog. Uh, it was a very easy that, uh, you know, back then it, it was what I could afford and it was appealing to me because, uh, you know, just, it was a cool looking airplane. It was inexpensive to fly. They were you know pretty fast. And, uh, so I bought one of those. It was supposed to be flying condition, but it, it wasn't, it was, it was kind of, uh, you know, had some overheating issues and things like that. Um, so, uh, Long story short there, I worked on that plane for years, but in that time, I finished my private pilot's license, and I was like, well, I need an airplane to fly. So uh, I bought a 150 up in uh, Prince George, British Columbia, and it was a beautiful plane, but of course, you know that that's about as far from North Carolina as you can get. That's like <laughs> uh, a trip. Yeah, it was... Uh, Especially a 150. Was, yeah, it was 20... <laughs> I think it was 2,400 nautical miles to fly that thing home. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, we came. I came down through the McKenzie Trench, down a, uh, over Glacier near Banff. I think I finally crossed the Rockies down near Great Falls, Montana. And from there, I was home free, except for the storms and whatnot. So anyway, that's two. Um, that was a wonderful purchase and a wonderful plane, but within about, what, two weeks of me getting that home, yeah, she found out she was later. pregnant. <laughs> so uh, 
that plane was very short lived and we then sold that and got a Mooney and the Mooney is, is the, the, the 150, there's one or there's a few videos of that 150 on my channel. Uh, but then it mostly goes to that Mooney. Um, we had the Mooney about five years and just sold that, uh, for the Cirrus. And then in between there, I did buy another very easy, uh, and it was it was the opposite of the first very easy. It was a it was the nicest very easy I've ever seen. Uh, even to this day, I've never seen its equal. But uh, in terms of condition, but you know, it just wasn't the right plane for our family. And uh, once we kind of got to where we were gonna do some more family travel, uh, swapped out the easy and the Mooney for the Cirrus, and and that's where we are today. So five airplanes, three different types, I guess. Is the Cirrus your favorite one? Four different types. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the Cirrus, uh, you know, in five years of having the Mooney, I, I flew it 180 hours and nothing wrong with the, with the Mooney. It's a wonderful plane. Um, but the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, we've had the Cirrus a uh, year and a half and hundred and I think I'm over 200 hours in it now. Oh, wow. Uh, so, you know, we're flying it a lot more. The kids are older, so that helps. Um, but you know, I don't like flying alone. It's you know it's boring to me. Uh, I like flying places with the family, so you know the the roominess and the, the having two doors on the Cirrus. Those things go a long way oh, when yeah. you got kids. A, a long, long way. So, 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 Karen, what's is the Cirrus your favorite plane, or did you like one of the other ones? And what would the kids say? Um. Well, the kids, I would say, mostly only know the Cirrus. The Cirrus they both okay. went up a few times in the Mooney. Ellie more than Link. Um, but I, I think the Cirrus is my favorite plane. I really liked the Cessna. That was a very, it was a nice plane and it was cute. Um, I will say I'm tall and it was not quite as much room in the front seat as I would have liked. But it was a cute plane. If we, if we didn't get pregnant right away, then we would have held on to that for longer. But the Cirrus is nice. It's it has, it's just a, easy for me to help the kids to reach back there and help the kids, um, has room for our little snack bags. And, and if we're not, too, oh, if we're not carrying too much, she can ride in the back of the Cirrus with still plenty of space. Yeah. If oh, we're wow. not, a, yeah. the, the other thing I like about the Cirrus again, because I, I have kind of long legs is that the yoke isn't in my lap. It, it has the stick. Uh -huh. And so I just have Inside. more maneuverability. And that goes for, you know, we looked at an RV-10 when we were looking at the Cirrus. And that side stick is is so nice to not have something right there. You know, you can, it, it just, you know, you don't feel impeded at all. You can just kind of sit there and there's not a yoke or a stick in your way. And, and especially with your passengers, you know, you, you can take the stick out for your passenger. But, you know, as a pilot, you, you got it right there. And just, it just... You know, I fly in an RV of my friends a lot, and I notice it now. It's, it's not something I would have thought was a huge deal, but, you know, on a long cross-country, just anything that's out of your way just makes it easier. Well, and for the kids sitting up front, too, the stick is, it's you hardly notice it at all. For the kids, I don't think they really even can reach it being down there on the side like that. So when they're yeah. sitting up front, it's just a lot less opportunity for them to mess things up. Yeah, it or put their feet on it. Or do they like to sit up front, or do they like to sit up back? I don't think they care at this point because they, they're not really big enough to reach the uh -huh. flight controls or see over. So it's, it's not exciting to them now. But I think, you know, especially the boy, I, I think when he gets older, he's going to have a lot more interest in it. 
I think Ellie likes sitting up front. If you ask her, she'll want to sit up front. Yeah. But she's fine sitting in the back. Too. Yeah, they're fine either way. <laughs> they're so, pretty going kids. <laughs> so, Eric, the last question, I guess, in regards to your aviation, you know, kind of background, I'm going to pose the same question that I posed to your wife. But what what has been something that aviation, you know, throughout all your experience in plane ownership, you know, what has it taught you or maybe an important lesson that you've taken so far out of aviation? Well, we've, uh, you know, I think the simple answer to that is just sticking with something. Yep. Uh, you know, if you want to, like, like a lot of people, my, you know, I'd watch videos on YouTube, and this, you know, years ago. Uh, of somebody flying or whatever, and, and it would inspire me to a degree that, you know, I was just, wow, that's so cool. I want to go do that. But it is not going to, something that's going to happen overnight. It's, it's one of those, you know, marathons. And, you know, I, I'm kind of one of those people that likes instant results on things. And so that, that was a hard thing for me to stick with it long term and really see it through when in my mind, you know, I'm playing this, this whole thing out and like, you know, this is so cool. I know I could do it. And, and, you know, why does it take so long? And why do I have to learn about ADF? And why do I have to learn about, you know, all these old, old archaic, you know, it's gotten better now, but back when I went through it, you know, they were teaching us about navigation systems that nobody even uses anymore. I mean, there's not even some, some of the, there was stuff about Loran on there. Oh man. And you know, I'm going through here going, I can't even use this even if I wanted to. And I am going to be <laughs> tested on it here. And, and if I miss the questions, then the examiner can bring it up. And then I'm really in heat because now I got to explain it in words instead of just picking a choice. I mean, you, you know, going through that, it's not in my nature and, and it forced me to do that. Uh, but you know, in terms of like, just kind of more broad life lessons. Uh, you know, it's been a good motivator. It's been something, you know, aviation is one of those things you kind of have to have things in order in your life to participate in it. You've got to be, you know, you got to kind of be with it financially and, uh, you know, you can't just be blowing money on things. You got to be successful to some degree in your career, um, in order to afford it. And, you know, you got to study, you got to study the weather, you got to study planes, you got to study a lot of things. And so it's just, you know, it kind of keeps you on track with life. Uh, people that engage in aviation and pursue it, it, it seems to elevate them in other parts of their life. Uh, you know, they just kind of have it together. And maybe without that pursuit, it, maybe they'd be a little more lazy or, you know, maybe I wouldn't uh, save money as, as well as I do or, you know, be a little more frivolous on things, but you know, aviation kind of keeps you in check because it's so worth it. <laughs> You'll do anything to, to be able to do it. Oh, trust me. I will literally find anything to, <laughs> to, to scrunch up money. So I know I can fly all the time. Um, but I guess I want to pose a question back to Karen is so like for me and my wife, it's been really hard trying to get her used to, to flying. So what would you say to kind of other people introducing, I mean, it doesn't even have to be, you know, male to female. It could be female to male. What would you say to people trying to introduce, you know, maybe their friends or their loved ones to aviation, but maybe they're scared? What, from your opinion, what would you say maybe is some tips or tricks for them? Uh, that's a hard one because I think I would do better talking to the one that is hesitant to fly. Yeah. Because it's hard to it's hard to convince something someone of something, but for me, and I've never been scared to fly, and I've never suffered from air sickness or anything like that. 
Um, but understanding how much pilots go through to learn how to fly, that they're just not, they're not just given a book and a plane and saying, okay, do your best. They're really put through the ringer to learn how to fly. And there's a lot put in place to make sure that pilots are responsible, that they take it seriously. They learn so much, at least Eric does. He learns above and beyond what's in the, what's the required learning, Mm -hmm. but they learn about weather and they learn about, um, air systems and, um, just so, so much that they, that they learn that it really is safe to fly with them. If you trust the person, the pilot, it's really about the pilot. If you trust the person, you know, they're the type of person that's going to put in the work to become a good pilot that did put in the work to become a good pilot. Then there's no reason to be afraid going up with them. It's a natural and an understandable fear, but if they can get themselves to kind of just get over that and get in the plane and try to relax, then it's actually a really amazing thing. And you see things that you couldn't see. You can't see any other way. It's not like flying in a big plane where you just cruise right up there and then you're way up in the sky and everything's very little. It's not like that. You can see the clouds from a different perspective and it's just, it's amazing. And it's, um, inspiring. It's just, it's unlike anything else. And Uh, and I I, I think that's really important. Like, you know, it's all about, I guess, I guess for me and my wife, it's all about the trust factor. Honey, if you trust me, you're okay. I'm not gonna, like, I'm, <laughs> no one's putting you in danger. Well, I guess, well, I take that back. I guess I have to watch what I say because I know, you know, there are, there are people out there that don't follow the rules that don't follow the training that maybe take it a little overboard. Um, but I think for the good people that it's kind of, you know, we're not, we're here to introduce in a good way and do it in a very supportive, nurturing way. For sure. And that's why I think for the scenario you're talking about, most whoever it is, is going to be going up with someone they know, a friend or a spouse or a family member that they know and they know their personality and they know that and, and they know the type of person that they are. And I think if if pilots can remind their loved ones about that and that it is safe and look, nothing in life is 100 percent safe. Right. There's a risk with everything you do. Whether you even walk out the door or not, there's risks in life. And Driving so it's just a car. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's just weighing that and kind of just getting over that initial fear. I think, um, you know, flying, I don't think is dangerous per se. I, I think that the thing is, is that there's just less room for error and the consequences for bad decision making or, uh, or those types of things are much higher than in a lot of other things. Um, so, you know, if you trust the person that you're flying with to make those good decisions, to be somebody that's, that's going to be up to the task, if, if a problem should occur, then, then you're in good hands. Uh, you know, so it's not that it's dangerous inherently. It's just, there's just less room for error, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, talking about, you know, flying together and kind of experiencing this, experiencing this with, with loved ones and everyone, I think is a really, really good segue into kind of the topic that I know, I guess, brought us kind of all together. So I want to get into the meat of why we're all here to discuss today. And it's your guys's new family series called There By Air. And I guess if the listeners are kind of wondering what I'm talking about, I want to tell you all from kind of a firsthand account that 
these their vlogs out on YouTube and on Instagram. And I tell you, these vlogs that the Davis family are doing, they're incredibly entertaining and they're so fun. And I have to say, you guys, no, I really appreciate this as, you know, as a fellow aviator that it's just really, really fun and inspiring to see what you guys are doing as a family. And I think it's so positive, especially with Ellie and Lincoln. I have to say they're the cutest little flyers I think I've ever seen. Um, and I love with how much, how much fun you guys are having with it and, you know, having them experience this at such a young age. And I have to say, I've watched most all of them, um, that are out there. And I actually, not only did I watch the videos, but I started reading the comments. I love reading comments and videos because I really want to see what the audience feedback is. And, And the feedback that you guys are getting, I mean, it's been really, really positive and I love seeing that. So let's deep dive into kind of this big thereby air, uh, adventure. So, so Eric, I know you've been posting a lot of these videos, uh, out to YouTube now for a while, but why did you guys decide to start thereby air? Why create this new adventure series? Kind of what was that catalyst? Uh, well, uh, there wasn't one specific thing. There's a few things. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned my older videos and, I would mostly post those <laughs> online so I could watch them myself later. I didn't really like a lot of those. I never really put out there to have a YouTube channel. Uh-huh. And so then when our kids discovered YouTube on our TV here at home, uh, whenever one of my videos would come up, they, they all got labeled boring show and they would skip them. And as you know, so then I thought, <laughs> all right, well, I, if my it's own not kids aren't, enough. <laughs> yeah, if my own kids aren't going to be even watch one second of this, then I definitely would have to, you know, they're not going to be inspiring to anybody, but, um, you know, really the vlogs kind of came about or the, the, the desire to do them was, you know, we watched some RV channels and uh, you mentioned, you know, you've seen our, that we have an RV on the, on the channel and um, we would watch these families and they have these really entertaining videos of their kids growing up and sort of the experiences. And, and I look at, you know, what we have and we have you know, Blu-rays full of still photos and random videos that we'll probably never watch. And, and so I was kind of envious of that. And so I was like, well, you know, we should turn, we go on all these trips and stuff and we do these fun things. And then, you know, we take all these pictures and videos and we never really look at them. So, you know, we should vlog them like these guys do because now they have chronicled in an entertaining and, and really neat way, sort of that video diary of their experiences with their kids and, And, you know, so it's kind of a culmination of that and wanting to make, you know, more interesting aviation videos because that's something I've enjoyed doing uh, quite a bit over the years. Uh, Just being able to watch them again and and relive those flights and and how valuable they are now after I've sold those planes to be able to go and watch the video of it and kind of remember some of the things we did and places we went. So that was kind of the, the initial idea. Um, to, to you know, kind of make them into more entertaining vlogs. So, so care what do you, what is your guys's goals with the series with your family? Kind of what is, you know, when you look down the road, what is the purpose? You know, that you want the the thereby air series to show. Um, I think as far as what the message that I, I do you mean like the message that we want it to get across, or our end game with doing the the vlogs? Yeah, you know, just the. I mean, right. Like, I guess, you know, my goal with the podcast is, you know, I, I like to say, you know, at the end of the day, if I could convince 
one person to take the leap of faith and, and look at aviation, then I think what I was doing is a success. If you, if you look down and would say, man, this would be the one thing that we're trying to show as a family that I think would be a success by putting all the work and effort into, to making this series, you know, it would be, our goal is this because it would be worth it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I know how to answer that question because I do have kind of a purpose in mind and we've talked about it a little already and that's getting families more involved in aviation Mm -hmm. because it's sad that I, I, I talk to a lot of pilots, wives and, and to a lot of pilots, you know, and the wives aren't flying, (laughs) the wives aren't flying with their pilots. And I think that's sad because it can be such a fun activity to do together. And the, and a lot of them don't take the kids up because, oh, they don't appreciate it or they just complain or, oh, you know, this dangerous. That. I don't want to put them in. Yeah. Or, yeah. or their, you know, their wife won't let them take the kids up or and and I understand all of those reasons. I really do. But I I would like to send the message to families that it can be a positive thing for you to do together. And it's a it's work, especially in the beginning when you're all getting used to it. Yeah, the kids weren't always the way you see them in the vlogs. I mean, it, yeah. as, more times than not in those early years. And, and I wish I'd maybe recorded some of them because then I could show what it was really like. But, I mean, they were screaming. I'm on final approach. I got a King Air behind me, and they're losing it in the back. And, you know, it's horribly <laughs> distracting. And there were times I landed, and I just said, I'm never taking those kids up again. Like, And, and there were long periods of time where, you know, I just I didn't feel – safe honestly because of that that distraction you know your, your kid you're, you're wondering you know are their ears bleeding out you know this, this <laughs> yeah. sound like what's going on back there right and and you know you just don't know what to do and that's the last thing you need when you're trying to fly uh you know especially a complex airplane like the mooney you know don't put the gear down or don't set the car i mean these are things with pretty big consequences and you know you kind of got to be on your game and Having that kid screaming back there, you know, if that happens once, that's enough for a lot of pilots to never do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we we like to maybe show that there's light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's worth – there's stuff that's worth working towards. Um, and, you know, even for me when we first started flying, I would I would get headaches and I just wasn't used to it so much. And I, I probably spent too much time on my phone or reading and not enough looking out the window. So – I never really got sick, but I'd, I'd get headaches and I'd feel tired and, and that sort of thing. But I've found as we travel more and I spend more time in the plane that that's not a problem anymore. Um, and we spent a couple of weeks ago, we were in the plane for 12 hours. Ooh, um, a long time. Total. I mean, we stopped, but we were traveling for 12 hours and I felt fine. I was tired when I got home, but you're going to be tired after 12 hours any day. I wasn't tired. It was great. But yeah, it was, it was actually pretty easy travel. Um, and so I think just pushing through it and knowing that it, it's, it's like anything you do, you know, there's a learning curve and you'll figure out what works for you and what doesn't and what type of travel and what style of travel you like, whether it's just punching holes in the sky together, watching a sunset or if it's actually traveling to a destination, um, I would just like to get that message out there that this doesn't have to just be his thing or mm-hmm. her thing for those female pilots out there because they are out there. 
that it can be something that you do together. In talking kind of about that, you know, the journeys that you guys have been taking, um, you know, uh, I want to say it's probably it's it's within the last few episodes you guys have done, or at least the videos you've posted out there um, on YouTube. Uh, but in two of the previous podcast episodes, I actually had Kayla McLeod and Ryan Hunt on the show, and they actually play a large part in the promotion of Triple Tree, which you guys actually did an episode on, because um, you guys all went to the Chili Chili Fly-In. And I heard this was an awesome event, but I kind of want to get your guys' take on it, because you guys did an episode on it. So... What was it like flying into Triple Tree, and how fun was that for, for everybody in the family? Well, we're so glad we went. That that was the vlog that almost didn't happen. Uh, I was very tired the day before, and, and actually I went to bed the night before kind of thinking, ah, I don't think I'm going to go. Uh, we had been there for their annual fly-in uh, back in September last year, and you know we had a great time there, and uh, – you know, this was a one-day thing. I wasn't sure, you know, how well attended it was going to be or, or any of that. So I was just kind of like, mm, well, but then I woke up that morning and thought, you know, we, sh- we should do this. And uh, really glad we did. It, it was, it was, you know, it was in a lot of ways better than the fly-in because that fly-in was so hot. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it, it was so hot. <laughs> and, and, you know, the weather on so the So hot Trump- the kids played in the lake. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. And that wasn't enough. I mean, it, it was, it was pretty miserable. Uh, I, I kind of hope that, that, that they, they put out a questionnaire about that and I kind of hope they push it later into the fall, but you know, that's not, that's not a perfect solution. It was either, unse- unseasonably hot. It was unseasonably, but it was, a. we did have such a great time there despite the heat. Yeah. So that's kind of what got us to go back and, and, um, you know, just thought, well, we'll check it out. And, and the weather was perfect. The, uh, the event was well attended. Um, you know, I'd give the chili maybe a six out of 10, but that's, you know, I make like a pretty good chili. So it's, I mean, it is good chili. So it's but hard gauging yeah. to your own. I wouldn't, don't go for the chili, go for the rest of it and you'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, you'll be happy and you'll be satisfied. Anybody who's thinking about going, it's, it's a good way to, if you haven't landed on a grass strip, you know, this is about as easy as they come. Uh, if it's wet, you know, be aware of the, what the weather's been like. Uh, but you know, outside of that, it's not really uh, it's not a really hard hard one to get you know kind of get accustomed to what the site picture looks like landing on grass. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks a little different than than pavement. It can be intimidating. There's some trees you know on the approach end there that you got to go over and and stuff. And you know, your first time in, if you're not experienced with that type of flying, which I'm not. Uh, granted, I'm I'm you know, relatively, uh, inexperienced with that type of those types of landings, but, uh, yeah, it's a good one to get your feet wet, so to speak with. And, and so Karen, your family's last adventure, of course, was the long trip, uh, to Utah from, from North Carolina. How was that experience? And are we expecting some more content from, uh, from that trip? <laughs> yeah, that was actually really awesome. It I wouldn't say everything went perfect, but everything went really well. Um, We expected to get held up at different times, and we did, Um, but that was fine. It got boring, I'll have to admit, just staying in a hotel, but we handled it, and uh, we went to some museums, and we bought some Legos, and we just kind of made use of the time, but overall, the trip was great. We flew over some amazing terrain. It was just it's so neat to see the country change before your eyes. Mm-hmm. And 
it, it's strange how it happens slowly and quickly at the same time. You don't see any, it's not like there's a line and it cha- and it's different, but at the same time it happens gradually. Mm-hmm. And then, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, we're over farms now, as far as we can see, instead of trees or, and then all of a sudden you're over mountains and red rocks and there's rivers below you. And, um, it, it was just so neat to see. But you guys had some weather you actually had to deal with as well that, you know, kind of impacted your guys' travels <laughs> a bit. You guys were supposed to come uh, oh, yeah, closer to yeah. DFW, but you didn't make well, it because that was yeah. our that was our terrible string of bad weather. And it well, kept we me missed guys. We were going to visit my cousin in Texas, too, which I was really looking forward to. Um, I haven't seen her in, I don't know, 10 years. And we were going to visit her and see her farm and, and meet up with you. And, and that stop didn't happen, which was unfortunate. We were disappointed about that. But Well, we had a window to get across, you know, kind of go over the Rockies and get into that area. Uh-huh. And, you know, you kind of got to chase those windows. So it, it actually turned out we should have stayed in Denton because we got stuck in Albuquerque for three days. Oh, no. Uh, try, yeah, we were trying to make it to St. George and we got to Albuquerque and it, and it was – bad weather between Albuquerque and St. George. And had we stayed in Denton, maybe we could have done the podcast live, but, (laughs) uh, Albuquerque was fun too, though. But, uh, you know, you gotta just gotta give yourself time with, with stuff like that. And, you know, general aviation, you know, there's a saying, uh, you know, time to spare, go by air. And and that's what you have to, it's going to frustrate in a plane like the SR 20, you know, of course you get a more capable aircraft or you're not going to be held up as much, but, uh, you know, in our plane, definitely. Uh, well, traveling over the mountains in February is not the best mm-hmm. <laughs> timing to do it. But we just had, um, I think we mentioned in the vlog, you know, we had a wedding. That was our purpose for going out there. And we thought Eric has kind of sworn off commercial aviation. He has a goal to never fly commercial again. <laughs> the last time I flew commercial was to go pick up the Cirrus in California. It was a one-way trip from here to California. <laughs> And that's the last time I've been on a commercial plane. And I've been all over the country since then several times. So I've done well avoiding it. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Like, I mean, when you think about it, I guess, you know, and people outside the aviation aviation world don't really understand. But when you have a family of four and you think of all the plane tickets that you'll end up at, you'll have to end up buying maybe to a location that's not too far and can be accessed via a plane like a Cirrus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not worth it, right? Now, we didn't take the Cirrus out to Utah to save time or money because yeah. it didn't do either of those things, <laughs> not by a long shot. But, you know, uh, years ago when we had the Mooney, we tried to fly out west, and we made it to Amarillo, Texas, and that was it. As far as we could go, we had 70-knot headwinds coming over the Rockies, uh, it was so bad that Denver was closed down all but two runways, uh, wow. blowing 60 knots on the ground up there. In fact, we were – so we left the plane in Amarillo, flew commercial, uh, stopped in Denver, and then over to Salt Lake. And uh, I'm telling you, landing in Denver, it looked like we were doing – we were probably only doing about 100 knots over the ground in a 737 or whatever we were on, which was just really strange. But, you know, that. It was just one of those things. So now we kind of fast forward and, and, you know, we wanted to accomplish that trip, you know, five years later. I'm instrument rated now. It was just going to be, I felt like we had a better chance of making it and, and we did. So in the trip, uh, the trip there was way longer than the trip back. I mean, it seemed like from your guys's just from following kind of your, your track going back, that was a relatively quick trip home. 
Oh, yeah. we uh, <laughs> we left my parents' house uh, that morning, and we slept in our bed here in North Carolina that night wow. and without a whole lot of effort. It was 12 hours total time, including our stops. So we were in the plane, 10 of that probably. Yeah, and was, we had 50 knot tailwinds. We, you know, we had ground speeds in level flight of over 200 knots for part of it. So that was, that was a good day. <laughs> but to answer your question, yes, there will be more vlogs to expect about that. Yeah, we vlogged the whole, they're all going to come out. Um, you know, I try to put them up once a week if, if I can get the editing done in time and stuff like that. So, so, so. And I guess, you know, being married and bringing my wife on these adventures all the time, and I know down the road, eventually she'll she'll be a mother. So how has it been for you as a mother going through these experiences, you know, with Eric and your kids? Um, well, anyone that's a mother will tell you as soon as that happens, your priorities are going to change a uh-huh. little bit. It, it's probably affected Eric just as much as me because... He ends up spending, unfortunately, a lot of the flights kind of on his own because I'm dealing with kids stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully, we have a radio. I don't know if all planes have it, but we have a radio where Eric can isolate himself. So mm-hmm. the kids and I can have our meaningless conversations. You don't learn much about that button <laughs> in flight training. But I tell you what, when you've got kids, you learn all about the pilot <laughs> isolate button. Not only that, but when like when I fly with my friends who, who maybe they're, they're, uh, their wives or their fiancés or girlfriends, when they're in the back, it's really nice to kind of be able to isolate us in the front while they talk in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we do that too. So even when I'm sitting in the back, I'm plugged into the crew, the, the crew outlet. Yeah, I remember one day going out and just trying to figure out how those buttons work. Cause you know, your instructor doesn't like it much when you isolate yourself from him. Yeah. It's not, gonna work well, but, but when you get in the real world, there's just certain things you got to learn. And that's one of them <laughs> is that, that ice pilot isolate button. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's different flying with kids than when we, we still go up just as a couple um, sometimes, frequently, I would say. And it's different. I think I'm in a different mode um, when we're going up just with us than with the kids. I'm able to just kind of sit back and enjoy more. When I'm with the kids, I got to be thinking about snacks and drinks. and. She's a flight attendant, basically. Yeah, I am a flight attendant. <laughs> and. It, 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 it's we joke about it, but I put but that as a joke, true. but it's it's legit. Like yeah. someone's always needing something. Yeah. And Even me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm getting stuff for Eric. I'm getting stuff for the kids. Um, I always bring a book or an audio book, and it seems like when we're on a four hour flight, I get about thirty minutes through my audio book, and that's about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just busy doing stuff, which is fine. I don't yeah. mind. So she's too- a required crew member at that point. I'm telling <laughs> you, I, I don't fly with the kids without her on board because. Uh, there's no way I could tend to them. So, so the the title on the uh, the intro video is true to form. Then, <laughs> oh yeah, that that intro, man. We we set out to film that, and we had a whole outline and a script that was not supposed to be like it was. But when I got the, <laughs> there was just nothing we could it do. We're so bad. <laughs> We're such bad presenters. <laughs> we could not get two sentences together. It it, it just. That was legit the best we could do. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, and I, I guess as a viewer, I loved it. Like, I think, I guess that's the, 
you know, it, it's the theory that when you just create something and you put it out, I think it catches on. And I thought it was really funny. I mean, the old school, the the nineties thing. I mean, it it was it was funny. I loved it. So <laughs> don't feel bad. I hope you guys don't feel that way. <laughs> well, I, we're I having fun it. with it, and if yeah, people have got to like the quirkiness of what comes out because <laughs> it just uh, yeah. We don't take ourselves seriously. No. So. Good. <laughs> so, so so through all these experiences that you guys are going on and have been on, you know, maybe for other younger pilots out there who also have families, what would maybe be some advice that you would give to them, uh, as they're maybe, you know, as their kids are maybe growing up, uh, and they're, they're wanting to introduce, you know, their own little families, uh, into giving these, you know, their families, their experiences, just like you are to your kids. Well, I'd say if they're under six years old, expect the worst, like just expect it to be a disaster. Um, you know, everybody, and I, I, myself included, you know, I kind of had these thoughts that, you know, they're really going to love it and they're going to look out the window and they're going to see the world from that perspective. And it's going to be a real eye opener. And really, you know, most kids are just going to scream the whole time. Mm-hmm. They're not, <laughs> they're not at an age where they're going to appreciate it. And that I know, like, cause I've received comments and, uh, you know, direct messages from other pilots who've seen, our videos and said, well, gosh, your kids are so good in the plane. You know, mine weren't good at all. And I wish we could travel like this as a family, but you know, my, my wife won't do it ever again, or, you know, it was so bad. I won't do it anymore. And, you know, I, I just tell them expect that that's totally like, that was what happened with us. That was how it was for the first couple of years. You know, I, I expected these meltdowns, uh, and, and they just kind of started to, dissipate a little bit some of it is is little tricks like give them gum on the way down so that their ears will pop you know little things like that that can you know some kids can't recover from that you know especially in the time it takes to to you know so they're just going to scream all the way to the ground and and uh you know you kind of start to learn how to correct some of those issues and then you just don't have as many problems Mm -hmm. So, you know, stick with it, see that there's, you know, there's value in sticking with it and, and just expect those first trips to be kind of the worst and, and that it'll get better over time. So do you think either of them are going to catch on to the whole flying thing and want to become aviators themselves? I don't know if they'll ever want to become aviators, but I'm not going to let the boredom of flying be the reason. Yeah. <laughs> so we all try to make it fun or, you know, we don't we try not to make it routine. And, you know, you never know. It's sometimes when kids grow up around something, they really latch on. And then other times, you know, I have friends who's, who grew up flying and never took an interest in it. So I, I can't say, but I'm going to make sure that we provide them all the opportunity to engage with it and, and be, expo- you know, do things with it to the, to the degree that they want to. Mm-hmm to make sure uh, you know one of the things i want to do my my son's a real builder he build you know you put blocks in front of him, he builds the most amazing things well beyond his years he's four years old and he builds you know really amazing things so you know something i'd love to do uh, when he's older a little bit older you know maybe eight or nine or ten is is build an airplane together and i think that could be something that really you know another kind of family bonding thing that probably you know if you let ellie help as well and to the degree she's interested in you know i bet if we let her pick the colors 
of you know mm-hmm. what, what we paint that plane, whatever we build. You're probably, probably gonna have a pink plane just, flying around. Yeah, I think oh, we'll have a, she talks it'll about be pink. A pink plane. <laughs> she saw a pink plane if, at Oshkosh. If and that's what Oshkosh. it takes, yeah, then sure that's hilarious no because i had to give my wife the one of the only ways i got her to continue flying with me on a regular basis i got her a pair of pink headphones <laughs> <laughs> the little things i think i think your guys's daughter and my wife could be really 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 good friends <laughs> no but guys I, I think from the listener's perspective i think this vlog i mean this vlog is really it's really fun i enjoy watching them when they come out i do watch them uh, you know, from from start to beginning. And it's just, I, I love your guys' fun, the adventure that you guys do. Um, and I think it just, it's a testament to kind of you guys and how you want to raise your kids and how much fun you guys want to have with them. And, and it's really quality time. And I think that's what people miss in aviation is it's not just a job for a lot of people. It is fun um, and is an experience. And I think just kind of where you guys came from and, you know, kind of, you know, how you, you built yourselves up in your own lives and now you want to give that to your kids. Um, and you're kind of doing that and showcasing that and, you know, bringing us along the journey by the there by air series. I mean, it's, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and I hope you guys, I mean, are super successful with it and I want to continue seeing it, uh, coming on. Um, so I hope you guys have some more episodes in the pipeline. We certainly do. <laughs> we do have some more. Yeah, you know, we, we try to post what we can uh, when we can. So, you know, this trip out to Utah gave us quite a few. I think we'll probably have five or six videos come out just from that, uh, you know, kind of each leg of that journey. Um, and, and there's neat things to see on each leg. It, it's been amazing, you know, even going over kind of the boring parts of the country. Are, there's still interesting things to do and see out there, so. Do you, do you guys have any big trips the rest of the year planned? Um, we just went and ordered our passports. So with that, you know, kind of in the back of our head is Canada, Canada, and, and possibly the uh, the Bahamas. Okay. I'd love to go up. Yeah, I'd love to go up back, kind of to that area. I flew in the one fifty mm-hmm. back up the Mackenzie Trench. That area would be neat to go see. Um, Eastern Canada too. There's there's some neat. Uh, flying opportunities up there. So, you know, I don't know if or when uh, all those things will happen, but uh, we have a lot of ideas. Yeah, we have, we have ideas and we just kind of go with it, see what, uh, you know, we don't really go someplace for content. We kind of just film what we do. So if it's someplace we want to go, then then we'll, it'll make it to the vlog. And all about, you know, in, in documenting the journey, and this is, I love it because it's a good segue into kind of my next two questions that I want to ask. And uh, after these two ke- questions, we'll jump into the lightning round, which I know everybody's looking forward to because it's the, it literally is the funniest part of the podcast. And I know I get a lot of comments on that. But in that documentation, you know, I think this is something that a lot of maybe even young aviators forget, or maybe just aviators with families, um, is that it's kind of, you can actually use social media is good. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. And you're showing the positives of what it's like to spend time with a family in doing aviation things. Um, so the question I have on it, I'm really intrigued about your guys' views are what are your guys' real thoughts about aviators and their families using social media as a tool to connect and grow their aviation and personal network? I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, you mean from a commercial, like, one of the things that I felt was in limited uh, 
form or just, you know, there, there's not a lot of families flying on YouTube. There's, yeah. there's some big channels, uh, the you know, the biggest aviation channels is generally a guy flying around, you know, with his friends. It's, it's rarely a whole family on board, um, that's flying. And there's, there, there are a few, uh, but they're few and far between. And, so and and those were the channels just given our stage in life that I really enjoyed the most and I, I was you know just wishing that there was more content like that um so I I don't know how big of a market that type of flying would be uh you know how much appeal it's going to have on social media I think that the people that are interested it will and interested in it will be very uh, loyal and, and committed to finding that kind of content. But, you know, in terms of how, how much marketing a, a family could do from it, I, I don't really know. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know what, um, you know, appeal our type of vlog would really have to say somebody who's 18 looking to become a commercial pilot. Are they going to be really that interested in our content? I'm not really sure, but maybe in 20 years, mm-hmm then they're going to have that interest, you know? So I, I think that, you know, the content can have life for, for, you know, longevity because of that. Cause at some point, you know, people are going to have a family and they're going to be a pilot and, you know, you walk around Oshkosh and there's a lot of families there. There's a lot of guys there with their daughter or son, you know, that's in their teens and they flew up in their RV and, you know, so there's a lot of family flying happening from former commercial pilots, former whatever uh, military or whatnot. So has has doing the series, posting it out there, getting it on uh, Instagram and YouTube, have you guys been able to connect with maybe some interesting people in the uh, in the aviation world? Well, I don't think we're far enough in the game to say that. I mean, uh, you for one, uh, you know, the content has has done that. Um, my one claim to fame, and I don't maybe I shouldn't even talk about this because I don't want to jinx myself, but. Uh, <laughs> Cirrus Aircraft, for some reason, follows me on Instagram, and I think hey, that's amazing. Yeah. They, they only followed uh, 90, something like 90 accounts, and I'm one of them. And I'm sitting here watching. They've followed me for about a year now. And, and at the time, I remember looking and saying, Cirrus Aircraft's following me? Well, how many people do they follow? You know, Maybe they, they follow thousands. No, I looked it up, and it was like 140 accounts. Oh, wow. And, and, and a few months later, I looked up, and I saw that they had started hacking them down. And it was like went from 140 to 120 and then over the course of the next day went down to like 100 and I'm like oh I'm next you know they're gonna they're just going through weeding them out and somehow I made the cut I have no idea how but uh somebody there's watching me for some reason so I feel like I gotta keep my game up for that but you know that that is one of the objectives of the channel you know we there's a lot of reasons people get involved with social media and, you know, money being, you know, revenue monetizing their channels is a, is, is the, probably the goal of a lot of people's things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I'm kind of a realist. Uh, you know, the, the aviation market, even the big aviation channels are pretty small in social media terms. You know, you've got the biggest channels I know of, you know, like Steve Knievo and those types. You know, you're talking a couple hundred thousand subscribers, whereas, you know, other – other genres like automotive or something, those guys will have millions of subscribers and in gaming and stuff like that. So do I ever expect it to be, you know, to where it's profitable? No, I, I, you know, it's, I don't think it's a realistic goal, but in terms of like opening doors, that's, that's kind of a, 
a good goal for me and a, and a um, you know, kind of a motivation to grow the channel is that it opens doors that would otherwise never be open. I mean, if, if the channel, you know, uh, helped me connect with, with other pilots, you, you see some of these guys getting to go on rides in, with Patty Wagstaff and you get to see them going on jet rides and, and, uh, you know, even maybe Thunderbird or Blue Angels at some point, some of these, you know, so th- that would be, to me, a kind of what I would consider a success of the channels have helped me connect with with those types of people. And and at some point, if if I can use my influence for good in the aviation community, then that's you know that's a great bonus uh, as well. But you know what that might be in the future, where the channel might go, I, I don't really know. I can't. I think it's too early in the game to say that. You know, it's 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 going to do this or that. It, it may not go anywhere. <laughs> YouTube these days is kind of a tough market. Um, you know, there's some big channels already and social media in general is, is, is really hard to stand out with how much, you know, 10 years ago, a really boring video would get, you know, a hundred thousand views because it's the only one out there like it. And now there's just a lot out there. So, you know, we'll see where it goes and what doors it opens. No, I, I'm super excited. I think you guys are off to a good start. It obviously caught my attention. Uh, so you guys are obviously doing some good things, but the one last question I wanted to ask you guys before we get into the fun lightning round part of the podcast and this is kind of a question maybe for both of you, because I probably see each of you answering the question a different way, but if you could, you know, through the experiences that you guys have had, not just by yourselves, but with your families, if you could send a message to each of yourselves five years ago, you know, knowing what you know now, what would you tell the younger Davis family? Uh, do you want to go first or me? <laughs> I can go first. I mean, we've kind of already talked about it, but I think just to keep with it, the it gets easier um, as far as directly related to aviation, as far as flying with kids. But also we had we had some really bad babies our kids were not good babies. <laughs> and that was rough getting through, especially our daughter. She was a difficult baby. And you wish you'd say, yeah, you know, the one thing that calmed her down was flying. Absolutely not. I mean, she <laughs> lost it on the plane. Or driving. None of that stuff. Yeah, worked. I mean, she <laughs> screamed the whole flight. I mean, it was, yeah. But anyway, I think if I could send, I would just try to um, help ease the tension for my five years ago self that it gets a little bit easier and these baby years are going to pass and then you're going to be able to go out and do fun things together um that'll actually have meeting yeah <laughs> not just the babies you gotta love them but they're kind of just a bump on a log they kind of <laughs> they can't really enjoy appreciate the flight and yeah you're and, sitting and there going man going. when i was one years old i would have loved this but <laughs> it's just not real they're just along for the ride but now they can enjoy the ride and and that's, I guess that would be the message that I'd send myself five years ago. Cause when you're in the middle of that, and I know this doesn't apply to everybody, but when you're in the middle of that, those early years, and we're still in the early years, but those really early years, it just feels like you're going to be changing diapers and dealing with screaming babies and not being able to go anywhere forever. And it's not true. If you just keep making that effort a little bit here and there, then um, it gets easier and it gets, and it gets really rewarding. Well, the answer I would give or the, the thing I would do is I, I wish I had kind of, you know, I had a camera. You've seen I've had I've been flying around with cameras for a long time now. Uh-huh. I think I think probably eight years or so is my first flying video. 
I wish that I had done the blog style earlier. You know, I never really had the motivation or, you know, I, I never really considered myself somebody that would be uh, in a vlog or be interesting to anybody. Like legit, I feel like I'm kind of the bore, most boring person. I put Karen to sleep when I talk about aviation. So I just never really thought that <laughs> that would be, but I wish I had documented those earlier times Uh and, and all the rough, because that, that, it, that would be such a tremendous value to be able to show people kind of like, well, you know, our kids are really good in the plane now, but that just didn't happen overnight. Um, it's kind of like you know, Instagram, went right? through like, everything that really you went through. Is. Yeah, you know, we're showing sort of the best. We're showing the results of a lot of hard work of getting them conditioned to flying. And, <laughs> you know, we went on a lot of little short, little hops in the plane just to get them to learn how to clear their ears. You know, that, that one thing went a long way. Because, uh, you know, once they, they'd experience this, they'd have anxiety about it, and then they'd be worried the whole flight. And, you know, I'd say overall our kids are about average. You know, they weren't terrible in the plane, but they weren't always what you see in the, the vlogs now. So. <laughs> They're pretty good now, though. No, I, I – To have documented all that would have been would have been really cool. Yeah, no, um, and, and it's fun because – I don't know. Honestly, I feel like we're still young in in this generation of social media and being able to put your story out there and just kind of document everything you're doing. Because just like you said, I wish I would have started a long time ago because maybe people would realize that it's not really that easy to to kind of bring up kids uh, through through flying. It's actually a lot of hard work and it's not all the funny games. But I mean, through the podcast, I love the stories that you guys have told. I love kind of how you guys have come together and how you're bringing your kids up uh, in aviation. And you're doing it in a very, very fun way by this adventure series called There By Air. And I appreciate you guys sharing this with uh, with all the listeners. Um, but now we're going to get into the very, very fun part. I love this part of the podcast. Um, it brings out some really, really interesting and funny pieces um, of content. But it's time now to jump into the lightning round questions. Uh, I ask this of all my guests, so nobody that ever comes on my show gets around a podcast without answering the lightning round sets of questions. So it's 10 questions. You have to answer whatever's on the tip of your tongue. You can't think about it because that's what makes it so (laughs) funny. So if you guys are up for it, are you up for the 10 lightning round questions? You said we didn't have a choice. Yeah, it, so. it sounds like we don't have a <laughs> That's choice. Right. <laughs> All right. No, it's very, very fun. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that. All right. So for both of you, question number one, everyone in aviation has their own quirks. So on a scale of one to 10, how weird do you consider yourself? And you can't screw up my 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 streak I'm on right now. So I hope I hope we get a good answer. <laughs> Well, that's that's a relative question compared to other pilots. I'm like a one because uh, there's some que- there's some weirdos at the airport. I, tell you, I can't go out and change the oil without the weirdo of hangar neighbors coming by. And I don't know. Uh, in general, against the general population, I, I'm weird for sure. Good. Like, Woo-hoo. I'm as a person and as okay. a pilot, I think yeah, definitely uh, probably an eighter. <laughs> Karen's Karen's not weird. I'm probably like a five. Oh, uh, she's. <laughs> I think I'm weird in some ways. Good. Everybody's weird in their own ways. And I think you have to, you just have to have a little bit of in your blood if you, <laughs> if you love uh, aviation. But question number two for both of you, what is your favorite word? <laughs> All I can think of is mom. <laughs> <laughs> we hear the word mom about 
400 times an hour. I don't know so. if I like it though. That's all I can think of is mom. Okay, we'll jump to we'll jump to question number three then, because I'm sure, yeah, as 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 parents, I'm sure the favorite word of the kids is "mom" and here all the time. So it's probably the only word right now, you know. But question number three: What is your guys' favorite food? Cookies. Mm. Are cookies food? Okay. I, I just like I love Panda Express. I don't know why they're oh, so so good. The orange chicken is just. <laughs> If there's a food that I just like, you know, barbecue pizza is good. Uh, anything I cook on our big green egg, I've gotten into smoking lately, smoking meat. And man, anything that comes off of that thing, I'll, it's just so good. <laughs> All right. Question number four for both of you. What sound or noise do you absolutely love? Oh, that one's easy. Airplanes. <laughs> I love birds chirping in the morning. Okay. I like both of those answers, too. <laughs> Question number five. Oh, this is a good one. And I think this might be different for both of you. What's the most important thing you carry with you on every single flight? iPad. I'd say phone. <laughs> okay, that's acceptable. Question number six. And, and this is a really interesting one because I know you guys aren't doing this. Um, you know, I, a lot of the guests that I've had on on the podcast, you know, they're doing this for your as a job. But maybe if you think about what you're doing right now, if there was any profession in the world that you had the opportunity to attempt, what would it be? Well, uh, you know, I wanted to be a fighter pilot all growing up, so it, it, it just didn't work out. Um, but that, that would be the thing. That's the one that got away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would probably, if I wasn't doing what I was doing now, I'd say programmer. Like a computer programmer? Yeah. No way. He's good at it. I like that sort of thing. Cool. All right. So question number seven for both of you, what are you not very good at? Just about everything. Laundry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. There's there's just really nothing I'm that good at. And uh, I'm terrible at, oh gosh, a lot of things. Yard work. (laughs) Uh, oh, I'm really me, bad. I think we're all bad at yard work. I'm really bad at laundry. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, question number eight for both of you: What is your guys's ultimate dream in life? Oh, we've kind of achieved it with you know being able to to fly around, having the time and the resources, and and to, and that to travel. You know, I don't like. Flying around for me, this might get me put into a bad corner with a lot of pilots, but I don't really enjoy just kind of bug smashing. Uh, you know, to go up by myself every once in a while, you know, maybe, but just flying to destinations and uh, doing it with the families is kind of like the ultimate dream. There's, you know, it's, I feel like it's it's one of those things you kind of, it's better to like what you have than to have what you like and. I'm kind of in a place in life now where I just really have found so much joy in that. That's kind of a dream come true for me. I would say my ultimate dream is just to be happy. And, you know, I'm happy now, so I'd like to just continue to be happy, have happy kids and just, I don't know. Living the dream. Yeah. Exactly. And I think bringing them up through aviation will create very, very happy kids. But question number nine, and I know, Karen, I know you'll have an answer for this because I think you've been around it. Um, you've been around aviation enough, but I'm going to ask both of you for question number nine. What is your biggest pet peeve in aviation? 
headwinds. <laughs> oh heck! I tr- trust me. I'm I'm flying a 172k with a small engine. <laughs> headwinds are not my thing. I'll tell you, uh, there is no doubt. My top of my list is getting around after you landed. Now yeah, Uber has helped too. tremendously with that, but man, I wish that more airports kept rental cars and stuff in stock because there's just <laughs> you know you land and trying to figure out how to get to wherever you want to go is just a kind of a, a bear, especially in some of the really cool places you want to go are very remote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Uber's not going to be around at a lot of those places. And, you know, you really want to go there, but, you know, you look at these motorized scooters, I'm scared to death to put them in my plane because the, the battery explodes or something back there. That's pretty much the end. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's just not a real great solution uh, for that, I feel like. And there, sh- there maybe should be. <laughs> Can we fly our car? Yeah, well, you know, fly car. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming soon. <laughs> if my Winnebago could fly, it would be the end. I would sell everything, and that would be it. I'd live in that. would fly around. We keep trying to figure out how to tow the Cirrus with the Winnebago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's the ultimate dream right there. That, that's it, what an icon. That's what an icon's for. You can put it on well, a you can trailer. Yeah, but you can't put four people in there. That's uh, true, we look at maybe a glass air. You know, a glass air folds up, but they're, they're five inches too wide oh, to get in an enclosed trailer. But a glass <laughs> air would be it because you could get a you could get one of these haulers with an elevator in it, stick it up on top, drive a car in behind it, and tow that thing around, and that would be the dream right there. That's the dream. <laughs> so, so Kara, what about you? What's what has been your biggest pet peeve is it still headwinds or is there something else i don't know i think actually it probably is getting around when oh. we land but yeah i mean i think just headwinds and weather hangups in general is um it's frustrating because it's complicated everything is complicated with kids it's multiplied i guess so what would be a minor inconvenience for me and eric becomes a big deal when we have kids you know because eric and i can sleep in the airport or something if we really had to but Try doing that with a two-year-old. I mean, with well, a four-year-old when, and six-year-old. In the next video, and this will probably be out by the time this podcast goes live. But uh, you know, we got to Gainesville, and there was all the hotels were booked. Oh, Everyone, no. and there's a ton of hotels in Gainesville, and we thought going in there, well, well this would be easy. So we ended up driving to Denton just to get a hotel, and we got the last one there. We would have had to drive even down into Fort Worth probably if because legit oh we got man. the last room they had at this big hotel there and so you had to drive great, you so. had to drive Gainesville to Denton. Yep. Oh and man. After traveling, and all we day, almost was, landed in Denton. Yeah, we almost went decided into to go into Gainesville because Gainesville seemed better. We and they'd had already it. they'd already set a car aside for us, so we're like, all right, well we'll go into Gainesville and that'll be perfect. Nope. <laughs> anyway. uh, we ended up staying in a hotel two miles from the Denton area. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number 10 for both of you. If you could fly anything in the world, what would you fly? F-16, hands down. There's no question. Okay. I- I'm still going to go with the flying Winnebago. Oh, yeah. Well, the... <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. All right. Well, that brings the end to the lightning round questions. I love the honesty. I love the fun. Um, that's why I love doing the questions. It brings out some really interesting answers. All right. To wrap uh, to wrap the podcast up, I'm going to we're gonna we're gonna end it with a, a question. I'm gonna ask you, and then I'm gonna give you guys the opportunity to ask a question back to me. And the reason why I do this is to, to give you guys the opportunity to ask a question of your host. And I don't know what you guys are going to ask me, so it makes for a really good impromptu answer that I have 
to give you guys. And I think the audience really, really enjoys these questions. And then I'm going to wrap the whole podcast up with a question that you guys get to ask to the audience. And we'll post this question out on social media and hopefully get some answers. Uh, and especially push some people to, uh, to watch your guys' videos out on YouTube and follow you guys out on social media. So the final question that I have uh, to you guys is my guess is what do you guys want people to remember the Davis family as? Uh, you know, just fun havers. We, we're kind of in the aviation just to have fun, and that's, that's the idea behind the vlogs. Uh, you know, if we had a goal for the vlogs, it would just be to have fun. Uh, you know, we, we approach the vlogs with a, a certain level of professionalism and respect for the viewer, but we kind of stop short of treating it like a business and, and that's on purpose just so that, you know, we don't want to, we want to stay genuine. Yeah. We want it to be real. And, and I don't want to get to a position where I'm kind of like hunting for content. I'd rather just, just kind of do what we do and take people along. And if somebody's interested in that kind of a lifestyle or, or what that might look like, uh, you know, that they can, experience it kind of vicariously through us and then maybe inspire them to to do it themselves you know a lot of people's exposure to general aviation is the crashes they hear about on the news Mm -hmm. and so if you approach general aviation with that in your head it's going to be really hard to overcome it but you know if you if you maybe see our videos and you see all the fun that you can have which is by and large i mean without a doubt the most most of the time people flying planes are having a great time and not crashing right but even you know you're really only exposed on the internet and through media to the to the negative things that happen so you know if we can be remembered as people that didn't just say they were interested in aviation and oh i like that but you know people that that we were able to make people laugh and and have a good time and enjoy you know, enjoy aviation and have that in their mind when they set out on their own adventures, then, you know, that, that kind of an influence I think would be a a good thing to be remembered by in in the aviation realm anyway. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, just that we, we like to have fun and have adventures and that we're together as a family and, and that we stay positive. We really do try to stay positive, even though a lot of times we're dealing with kind of stressful things and or annoying things and, and and that but we we try to stay positive and have fun with it and I would I like the idea of that message getting out there so so the message that you guys want to get out there now I'm going to give you the opportunity to to ask me something what message or what message do you want to hear from me what question do you have uh for your host well I'm curious to know what you consider success of the podcast Uh like at what point would you say it's been a success what how do you measure that so i mean the measure of the success i think i've honestly to god i think i've already hit it um you know being able to keep track of stats and everything i mean the fact that i can go back to my first episode and where the podcast actually started and i had no idea how this podcast would actually turn out um, because the way it's turned out was not the original purpose. Um, but the fact that that first episode um, has listeners, um, and now I'm up to almost, I think I've hit 8,000 downloads um, through through the podcast so far. And I, I'm not doing any advertising really for it. I'm just putting it out, doing it through my own channels, um, through word of mouth. 
and it's gotten out there and it's gotten out across the globe too. I mean, I had, I had people from Australia, um, message me. Um, I've had people from Europe message me. I've had people from Latin America message me. So the fact that the word is getting out and it's gotten out to that many people, I feel my purpose has already, it's already been there. Um, and next is people actually giving me feedback and asking me questions. So I feel like the fact that they're asking questions and want me to kind of dive into content that they're, they have questions on, um, I feel like that means people are listening. Um, people are engaging and they want to hear their own questions answered. And that means that obviously there's been some value provided through all the guests that I've had, um, on the show. But I think ultimately success would be somebody said, you know what? I gave something blank in aviation a chance because I listened to a few of your episodes. So whether that be a pilot, whether it be a flight attendant, whether that be a mechanic, uh, whether that be aviation management or something, they gave an opportunity or career or something for their family a chance in uh, aviation. And I think ultimately that would that would make me feel very, very purposeful uh, with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I mean, that's the whole point. And I mean, I, and that's why I was so excited to have you guys on. I've never had, uh, you know, a young family on before to share their aviation journey. It's been, you know, normally people my age or younger saying how they've kind of been raised and how they got their opportunity started, uh, in aviation. So I just love bringing out all the different stories, um, that I think don't necessarily get told in the aviation industry. Just like you said, out on YouTube, it's a guy talking, it's not a family. For a lot of my guests, it's not, um, you know, it's not a, it's not the coordinators of Triple Tree who I had, who I've had on, you know, Kayla and and Ryan. It's you know people running massive big conventions. I'm trying to tell the stories, you know, the stories that usually aren't told because I think those are the most important stories, and I think the stories that the average people can learn a lot from. Uh-huh. Um, so the last question to kind of wrap everything up from the podcast is the question that I love to post out there, um, on social media when I talk about the episode. So what questions would you like to ask my small, but growing audience? Well, um, you know, I'd love to hear their feedback on, on the content we've put out so far and what, you know, if, if they have any, uh, if they have any ideas for what they'd like to see us do, you know, we, we're not necessarily going to go out and do something that uh, we wouldn't want to do just for the blog, let's say, but there's not a lot out there that we don't want to do. So <laughs> that being said, you know, it, it, I'd love, you know, if somebody's got an idea for, uh, you know, where to fly with a family or, or cool places they've been, we've all, we're always looking for places and, and specifically, uh, you know, in line with my pet peeve places that you can go that, you don't have to go anywhere. You know, a lot of the airports I love to visit, you can walk out of your plane. You know, the, what the, our very first flight vlog was down to the Westgate River Ranch. That's such a cool place because you don't really have to worry as much about that ground transportation problem. Mm-hmm. You know, Albert Oak Island's another one of my favorite destinations because, you you know, you park the plane and walk right into town. There's stuff to do and you can walk to the beach and, you know, you don't have to worry. So, you know, places like that, I'd love to hear from people if they know of cool, uh, cool fly in destinations. So everyone, you heard it right there. If you guys have any ideas or any, you know, advice on the content, uh, 
for Eric and Karen on Thereby Air and everything that they're doing and the adventures that they're taking uh, with their family. Uh, go out there on social media. It's speaking of which, guys, where can everybody find you guys out there on social media? Well, uh, the YouTube channel is probably the, the main place, really. Uh, that's, um, you know, just search for Thereby Air and, and I think you'll pretty much find it on YouTube. Um, we're, we have an Instagram account. It's, you know, it's, we, we post on there occasionally too. So, uh, and that's there underscore by underscore air. Um, and then we, we do have thereby.air.com. We have that domain name, but I haven't built the site yet. I'm still working on that. Uh, but that'll be a, that'll be a portal. Hopefully in the next few weeks, I'll get that done. Uh, I can't believe we were able to get thereby.air.com. That was awesome. <laughs> that, it's, you know, it's always .net or, my thereby.air.com. I, I did not think I'd be able to get that that domain name, but uh, yeah, hopefully thereby.air.com within the next uh, month or so, I'll get that at least something posted there so that you can access us there. Well, awesome. Well, everybody, that brings us to the end of the podcast, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode, Karen, Eric. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. I know you guys got your handful. Uh, you know, with the kids and everything. And I really appreciate you giving me the time uh, and everything, just letting the listeners in on your guys' story, you know, what you guys are doing, the whole idea behind the YouTube channel and what you guys are doing um, as a family. And hopefully, you know, like you guys said, it provides value to other people who may have young families as well. And they're trying to introduce uh, their family and their kids into the aviation world uh, and hopefully doing it in a very safe environment. So I really appreciate kind of the tips and tricks that you guys uh, were able um, to give, but thank you so much for being awesome guests today. Thank you so much for yeah, having thanks us. For having, and if you have us on again, we'll make sure Ellie and Link are here. Awesome. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to have them uh, to have them on uh, as guests. I'm sure we can. Uh, we'll ask them the same lightning round questions. Oh, I'm they'll, sure they'll have some uh, great answers. That'll be so much more entertaining <laughs> than us. Uh, we're probably snoozers compared to what they would do. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that uh, that wraps everything up for today, guys. Remember, if you uh, if you haven't already, go over to the new Instagram profile at Avgeek Chronicles. Make sure you give it a follow. That's where we're posting everything about the um, the episodes that I'm releasing. And if you want to follow me as well, you can find me at Hodge, H-O-D-G-E underscore C-H-E. That's my main personal page. But make sure you go give the podcast page a follow because we're putting everything out on the podcast on that channel. But uh, thank you guys again for being awesome guests. And we will catch everyone next time on the next episode of Avgeek Chronicles. See ya. Let's go.